This morning, uh, I had plans of going in a different direction, but the Lord um, changed my plans uh, as as it happens. <laughs> as I come to you this morning, I'm reminded of Romans chapter 9, where Paul talks about us in light of of Christ, and he, he says that we're just clay in the hands of the potter. And I think to myself, the idea that I could even really know anything about God and Christ and share it with other pieces of clay is, is humbling. And it's, my hope this morning is that the Holy Spirit would reveal himself and that I could just repeat what he desires for me to say. The fact that God would show up and that we get to be in the room is, astounds me. That how much he loves us. I've spoken to the church several months about, back. And here as we, I've talked about the, the topic I'm going to be talking about tonight, to, uh, to this morning, about unity. But I'm going to take it from a little bit different perspective because... As we begin this new year, I believe that God is calling us as a body of believers to unite, to, to come together. As we celebrate communion today, communion has its, its focal point in, in unity. We're rallying around, not the concept of church, but we're rallying around Christ this morning. We're rallying around his sacrifice that he made on the cross. And we celebrate that in communion today as we, we take the juice and we, we take the, the little piece of bread, symbolic of his, his body and his blood that was shed for us. Communion in its reality. I talked about this several weeks ago in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul said in that, in that portion of scripture, if you remember, he says, there are divisions among you. And he ends with telling them, he says, shall I praise you for this? And he says, certainly not. What does unity look like? Unity today, I believe that the church itself has come up with this idea of unity being tolerance and acceptance. That everything goes. That there is no black and white. That don't worry about this is just who I am. This is how I was born. This is just what I have become. I can't, I can't help myself. This is what, you don't understand what, what happened to me in, in childbirth. You don't understand what I went through as a kid. You don't understand what I'm going through in my marriage. You don't understand. It, we just have to tolerate all these. To be in tolerance of, of everything that's going on around us. And acceptance of it. And we... Almost to some degree, we get it shoved down our throat constantly in the political realm. But what today is the biblical view of unity? Is it unity at all cost for the sake of good sound of doctrine? Does it override, does love override what is right in church discipline? How did Paul describe it? This morning, I don't want to come to you and say, this is what Greg has to say. I want to really look at what the scriptures talk, tell us and how, what, does it look, look, what does it look like. See, the rallying cry of today is just love. That emotional feeling that says that this is who I am. Don't, you know what? You have to love me. You have to accept me. Unity in this aspect of, the, of, of what the Bible talks about 
Here, I want you to think about this just for a minute. Jesus spends three years with 12 disciples. He imparts everything he is into them. Now you'd say, well, that's, that's cool. That's neat. That, that's, an, that's an exciting concept. And then, but then it boggles my mind that because we, we know that the Bible says that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our, our ways. And, and sometimes as this little lump of clay, I want, to, I want to be able to understand everything. Here I am, Lord, I'm this, this piece of clay saying, why is it like this? And then in the midst of that, Jesus says, now I'm going to call this one who has tormented you, who has persecuted you, and I'm going to make him an apostle too. See, if I was God, I wouldn't do it that way. It doesn't, it doesn't even make sense. You think about it. Here these guys have, have sacrificed and, and then all of a sudden the Lord says, by the way, Paul, yeah, I know you've, you've persecuted the church and I know that you were there when Stephen was stoned, but here you go. I want to make you one of my 12. See, I'm wrestling with the idea of unity, I think because of the fact that in the past, I've seen pastors who, who constantly beat the, the drum of unity just to keep a church together. They, they pound the drum of unity just so that everybody will, will stay together. And what I, what I understand about unity is this. If I'm demanding it, it truly isn't unity. It has to be something you desire. It can't be something I force upon you. It's got to be, be released in freedom. That's where unity really comes together. When you understand that you're free, but yet you have, have come together for one purpose. For the mission that he has placed us on. The theme of, of unity in the past that I've seen is, is a rallying cry from a pastor who wants to grab and hang on to everything he's got. And I want you to understand today, I hold you all with an open hand. Some of you, this could be your very first Sunday. Some of you, this could be your very last Sunday. I have to be okay with no matter how that looks. I want everyone, yes. I want the church to be full. But I want you to understand today, the uh, concept of unity that the Bible talks about is not this grabbing and hanging on to. It's this idea of desiring to be like Christ and to walk in that, in that presence of God and the Spirit of God. In Exodus, it reminds me, I used this scripture a couple weeks ago. It says in Exodus chapter 30, verse 12. Remember I was telling you about how David got, was, was punished. And the people of God were punished because he took a census. It says, when you take a census of the Israelites to count them, each one must pay the Lord a ransom for his life at the time he is counted. Then no plague will come upon them when you number them. See, the whole concept of hanging on to what you have in the church even pulls me back to this and says, God, they're not, they're not mine. They belong to you. The Israelites belong to you. They were not, the, even this congregation, God, they're not mine. They belong to you. And if I look at it any other way, with that, with that, unless I have that open hand that says, God, if they desire to go where you want us to go, if, you des if they desire to go the direction that you have called us all to go, then Lord, let us be united, but have a desire for it, not a demand for it. 
See, Pleasant Valley, God is about to do something new. Isaiah 43, 18, 19 says, Do not call to mind the former things or ponder the things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. See, I will, as the pastor, I set the course. But it is the Spirit of God that determines our direction. The ship has a rudder, yes. But it is the wind that blows that truly sets where we will go. So I I want you to understand that our direction, our purpose, our plan has got to be the Holy Spirit breathing down upon that and saying, this is where I want you guys to go. This is where I'm going to take you. Yeah, we have the rudder, and in some ways we have a little bit of control, but as you know, if if anybody who's a shipman, the wind can dictate where you're going to be, where you're going to go. It will set the truth, set the course. Greg, if we allow the Spirit to move in that freedom... People may take advantage of it, and there may be some flesh involved. Yes. Allowing the Holy Spirit to be our leader and our guider, there is always that possibility. But the Bible is very clear this, is that you can judge what's going on by the fruits. If they're fleshly fruits, they will rot and, and they will wither up. But if they are true fruits of God, they are going to be on display. This is, I'm going to just share you guys, I've been doing this lately, and I don't know why I'm doing it, but I'm going to, I have these little pet peeves. This is one of my pet peeves. And this is, this is our, uh, the problem with many of, of, of people who, quote, quote, are Christians. I want to be honest with you. Sometimes, if I see the fish on a business, I want to go someplace else. Why is that? Because I want, you to, I want to be honest with you. A lot of times, a lot of things that I've seen in the past is Christian businesses, people who want to promote themselves or promote who they are, a lot of times they're underhanded. They're deceptive. They won't be true with you. I'll be honest with you. I, sometimes I would rather go to the Mormons because at least I know they have morals. Many of us as Christians, we don't. We, we operate in, a, in this... I, I'm reminded, I was, I was watching a show on a, a football player this week. And it, it disgusted me because... And, as I'm, and I'm, I'm sharing with all of this is because I be, it's the flesh part that I'm talking about here. It's that fleshly nature that seems to get the best of us. And this young man who was a football player and became a coach. And they were talking... It was his life story. It was his history. And they talked about his... His dad being a Pentecostal pastor who'd been divorced many times, who was just violently angry and mean to this family. And I thought, Lord, here, this person, Pentecostal pastor, should have, he, he, if, if anybody's got it together, this man, he's got the infilling of the Holy Spirit. He should be walking the straight and narrow, and instead, his life looks worse than the world. Now I'm off my pet peeve. I'll leave, leave, leave that project for you. <laughs> See, we want to move completely away from being led by the Spirit because of these things. 
And I want you to know today, I recognize it. I see it. I know what you're talking about. And what happens is uh, on the other side of us, we want to pull over to this other side where it's very rigid and very um, uh, ritualistic because it makes us feel more comfortable. But I want you to understand that the leading of the Spirit, it is 100% Word and it is 100% the Spirit of God. See, I've said it in the past couple weeks. I said, we rely on the Word of God that they did not have more than the Holy Spirit that they could not live without. See, we, we, want, we think that this word, we think that this word is, is everything at times, and we don't understand that, that the Holy Spirit that inspired this word, the Holy Spirit that led this New Testament church in the book of Acts, they did not have this. They were moved by the Spirit of God. That's what set their course. It must set our course. Now, let me say this. If it doesn't line up with the word, then it needs, we, need to, we need to move away from it. If the spirit of God is speaking to your life and it is contrary to the scripture, then it is wrong. It is fleshly. It needs to be moved away from. It has to be. It, the, the spirit of God will always be in alignment, will always be in alignment with the word of God. The spirit of God will always be in alignment with God himself and what God has spoken. Now, as I say all this today, on December 20th, 2015, Betty Washington, little 89-year-old woman that has walked with God and, and has been a friend of mine and has interceded and, and prayed and, and fasted for me and has been a, just a part of, 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 of ministry with me. She's only this tall, but she is a, a uh, warrior. She is a general in God's army. She's a blessed woman. She wrote this letter to me, and she said, this is to Pleasant Valley Chapel. She did not know what was going on here. She, has not, she does not know the, the past, present, or the future. She said this. This is from Betty Washington. Many of you, many of you have been in this place for a long time. You have been faithful But there were hopes and dreams that were hidden within you. Desiring the things of God like the gifts the disciples had in the book of Acts. You wondered about the more of God wanting to see his miracles. I am bringing you into a place where I will show you and teach you. The longing of your hearts will be fulfilled and you will see my mighty right hand begin to move. Those of you who have been recently come to this place will not be left out because I will take the old and new, and combine them together so that you will not know who is old and who is new. I am going to turn this place upside down and you will not recognize the old way and the old things anymore. Behold, I do a new thing. Not only will you see the new, but I will make you new. You will not be the same so that you can enter into my plans and purposes for you. I am giving you strength and boldness. I will also take away your fear and you will, you will be strong in the Lord. Be willing to change. Submit to my will. And you will see what I will do. That wasn't for me. That was for you guys. Some of you have wrestled with fear of, I may lose my identity, Greg, if, if people keep coming. If, If this church keeps growing like it's growing, I'm going to lose my identity. 
you're supposed to. Some of you say, well, you know what? We're going to lose our identity as, as a church. I can't control my church anymore. It's not yours. See, oneness with Christ means oneness with each other. Jesus is saying to us today in 1 John 4.20, he says, whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. There's criteria for this relationship that we have with Christ. You say you love God and you don't love your neighbor. The Bible says that, you know what? You truly can't love me. You don't know me. I think of the love feasts of the 60s. There is a fleshly love out there. There is a love, and maybe, maybe that's our problem. Is Maybe really we need to determine what love truly looks like. Unity with a mission. If I just read the scriptures, I, I wouldn't even think so much about the gathering. You know, like, like my first thought wouldn't be, let's have a gathering. Out of the scriptures, I would think, I'm on a mission. Like, I, I love this God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and now I've got to go out and make disciples. That's what I would think. I, 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 need, I need to go out there and just reach as many people as I can. I, I, I'm supposed to teach them and obey everything that God's command. That's what I would get out of Scripture. And then what would happen as I did that, what I believe would naturally happen, is suddenly I would find those other people who were on that same mission because we'd be the weirdest people on earth. Right? We, we, we would stick out. We'd be so different. And, and that pressure to always stay on that mission, everyone else would be beating me down. So I would actually need these brothers and sisters in my life and tell them, hey, don't let me slow down. And I won't let you slow down. We've got to stay on this mission together. You see, this is why I wasn't into fellowship before. Because I didn't need any more friends. Okay, it wasn't like, oh yeah, you know, let's just get another gathering so I have someone to talk to. Like, like I, I didn't need accountability groups so that I wouldn't sleep around or whatever it was. I can do that. I can do that on my own. Uh, like, not, not sleep around. You, you know what I mean. I, I can, like, you know, I don't need that to, to do American church. I don't need fellowship. But to stay on mission every day, I, I need people because I'm going to get distracted. There's so many things I would rather do than make disciples. And so I need people in my life to tell me this. That's what I would get out of Scripture is I had to go out and start making disciples. And as I did that, I really believe that I would start gathering with other people doing the same thing. This unity that we have together is for reaching the lost. It's for building and instructing the body of Christ. It is not to build church. It is not to build the fellowship hall, it is to build a, a community of brothers and sisters that say, you know what, I see the plan that God has for us. I see the mission that he's got for us. And if the only way I can stay on course is to have all of us gathered together. Unity with power. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Unity with power. How did this come about? Because they got together, they came together as one, 
and waited and seek the Holy Spirit. See, the enemy hates for you to come into agreement. Matthew 6, 18, 19 says, Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. See that word agreement? Remember, I, I gave you this word a couple weeks ago. Voicing the same opinion because like-minded. Deuteronomy 32, 20 says that where one can set a thousand to flight, two can set... a 10,000 to flight. See, the enemy loves discord. He loves to divide husbands and wives. He loves to divide your friendships. He loves to divide families. Prayers are hindered when we walk in discord with one another. If we want to truly fulfill the mission of God and walk in that unity of power, we cannot walk in discord. We cannot be divided. Unity with love. See, people will see us interacting with Jesus and each other, and they will want what we have. See, our fruit will be on display. It will be like they come into church and it's a fruit market. Can you imagine that? People walk in the door and they go, did you see all these things that these people, look all the fresh fruit they have. Their lives display it. Every, they, they want and they desire what we have. They see how we love one another. They see how we've unified. Just like those little ants. Yeah, sometimes the pastor, I'm just the guy directing traffic over here. Everybody line up over here. Get into a ball. You know, it does kind of look like that some ways. But it's not be, because you're unifying because of me. It's because we're unifying. We are rallying around Christ. Love defined. 1 John 5, 2 and 3 says, this is how we know that the love of, we are the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is the love for God, to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. I want you to know today, listen, if we say we love Christ, but we don't keep his commands, this is how we display love. This is how we truly know that we are in him. We, We display it by being obedient See, I want to challenge our concept of love. See, we look at love in this emotional atmosphere. Our response to love is usually an emotional love. Ron, Deputy Crouch in the back there, he told me this one day. He goes, you know, sometimes I think our concept of love is warped. If you had a litter of puppies and one of them was sick with a little snotty nose, would it be unloving if you moved him out from the rest of them and kept him over here and kept him safe and kept the other one safe from getting sick with him. Is it unloving? See, sometimes we look at those circumstances and we, well, our emotions kick in. Well, that doesn't look loving. But what is truly loving is when you see what the word of God, what, how it defines love. In the Old Testament, I want you to think about this. In Exodus chapter 32, Moses tells the Levites, the priests, he says, strap a sword on. Now he, when he tells them to strap a sword on in Exodus chapter 32, it doesn't really make sense to us in our minds because this, this concept we wouldn't get today for sure. But this was the most loving thing that God could do. Strap on a sword, Levites, the priests. Now, I want you to walk from one end of the camp to the other and I want you to slay everyone that, you, that, that I call you to slay. Lay them out right now. Friends, family, one into camp to the other, they went through. 3,000 died that day. See, again, as I said from the beginning, I don't understand. I cannot, I cannot even begin to comprehend all the things that God is. I'm just clay. But yet, I, as I look and see what God displayed himself, how he, how he revealed himself and what the things that he did, they don't always make sense to us. 
but they're still God. It's not a warm and fuzzy feeling. Ephesians 4, 1 through 1, 6 says this, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope, and you were called to one Lord, one faith, one baptism, our one God and Father of all, who is over all and through and in all. A spirit of unity, a oneness of mission, a oneness of purpose. There are seven ones in there. One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God. See, we're not all uniform. We don't all look alike. It's not sameness, but it is headed in the same direction. It is that common vision and common goal. It is fulfilling the mission that God has called us to do. Yes, there's uniqueness of each of us. It's preserved in the midst of this. But the thing we are gathered for is bigger than our individual preferences. Making a deep commitment to his goals to preserve what he has started. I was thinking, I, I, I spoke to a man this week, and I had invited him to church. And he says, well, I, I, I go down here, and he goes, I know it's closer, and I'd really like to be there. And, and, and he says, I'd like to come, but I'm, I'm, I'm a, I used to be a, a rock and roll band player, and I play in the band every week, and it's my only outlet. And I thought to myself, who is it about? Is it about you and you being able to play? Because, well, I don't get to play if I, unless I play in church. Is it, is it really about you and you playing, or is it about him and his kingdom? See, that's what I think sometimes we miss the, we miss the big picture. We miss the mystery, and we miss the, the unity that he's bringing us together for. Is that He's saying, listen, I have given you a common goal. I have given you everything you need to do this, to do the work. And will you come together and do that? The emulsifier, the emulsifier in all of this is the Spirit of God. What's an emulsifier? Mayonnaise is a good example of it. Oil and water don't mix. But you put an egg in there, the egg yolk will cause those things to come together. The Holy Spirit is the emulsifier. It is what brings us together. The flesh is what wants to tear us apart. See, the Galatians talks about that in 5.17. He says, see, that the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. There's this place that this conflict exists because our flesh wants to come out. Our flesh wants to do what it wants. Even in our marriage. See, this isn't just about church. You can take what the things I'm telling you today, and you can apply it to your marriage. You can apply it to your life. Because... The, the real difficulty is, is when there's a problem at home with a husband and wife, it's usually because they don't want to become one. It's because they both want to continue to have their own individualness. Our own, separate se- our, our own separate checkbooks. Our own. See, and that's what really causes even the divisions in the church is that we want our way. We want, I don't want to lose my identity. I must be willing to acknowledge it, then I can deal with it, and then I can have, be forgiven by it. Now, we can construct the bridge. Once we understand that God has given us, he's given us the plan, he's given us the way to do it, then he says, listen, acknowledge it, deal with it, forgive it. 
in our relationships here at church, in our relationships at home, in our relationships with our neighbors, in our relationships with our jobs, every one of these things. God's view must be what we do, period. If the flesh is introduced, the spirit is canceled out. We will not be able to walk where I'm telling you where we want to go if we allow the flesh to take control. It has got to be the Spirit of God constantly the, being blowing at our back. And you know what? I'm going to tell you right now. There are times when the first time you, 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 you sense the Spirit of God telling you to do something, you, it's almost going to feel, it's going to, that didn't taste very good. Why, you want to know why? Because we have been, we have been eating the flesh all the time. We, the flesh is what dominates us. And the first time the Spirit of God comes in and says, hey, listen, this is, in a relationship, in your church, in, in, your, in your relationship with your husband and wife, in, the, in everything we go through, he said, the, the first time you feel the Spirit of God nudging you, no, that's, I got to do it God's way, it's not going to taste right. You're going to have to develop a taste for the things of the Spirit. Because the problem is in Galatians 5, we have spent so much time on the other side where the flesh is the one dominating what we do. Let me finish with this. Romans sixteen seventeen it says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. Titus 3, 10 says, Warn a divisive person once, and then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. He gives us, he gives us the commands here. He says, Mark and avoid, warn and withdraw. The Spirit's point of view is the final point of view on the matter. That it, God, the Spirit of God will always be in alignment with, a pre, with what God wants to do, what God wants to say. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close because I want to get the, to, to our time together today with the Lord, but I'm going to close with this. Psalms 133, 1 through 3, it says, A song of essence of David. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head coming down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, coming down upon the edges of his robe. It is like the dew of Hermon coming down upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing forever. It is that, that oil that he talks about is the Holy Spirit once again. When the Holy Spirit is in control of our, he says, our head first, it, it, it just runs down all over our head first. When, when, when our mind is captivated by the Spirit of God, when our mind is captivated by the mission, this, this unity is not about, okay, we have to do whatever Greg says. It's not, that's not the purpose. The purpose of this is that we, as together, we come together and we go, we're going to fulfill what God wants to do in our city, in our church, in our families. He's calling us for that. This morning, as we take communion, communion is a declaration of our unity. It is our declaration with the king and his mission and those of his kingdom. I want you to understand today this. How can you have a kingdom whose subjects have not subjected themselves to a king? That's the truth. See, many of us, we, today God's saying, listen, you can only be part of the kingdom if you're subjected to the king. He can set the standard. He determines the boundaries. His answer is not negotiable. His rule is absolute. I'm not comfortable with that, you'd say today. Then today's the day to say, Lord, I need to make you Lord of my life. I need to give you the reins, the kingship of my life. What I'm going to have you do this morning as I play this video, I'm going to have you guys, I'm going to have the men uh, 
You want to come up here, guys, Daryl and... What I'm going to do this morning is normally we pass it out. I'm going to have you come forward. And I'm going to have the men just release the, your, your aisle as, as you want to come forward. You guys go ahead and you can partake on each, either side. Bring it back to your, your seat. And then we will we'll all partake together. Okay? Hallelujah. His plan was fellowship. His plan, he says in John 17, when Jesus is praying, he, he says to God, he goes, I and them, you and me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you have sent me. There's something about our unity that makes the message believable. And that's why we can't do it by ourselves. Look, if I'm perfectly honest, I am far more comfortable doing this by myself. It's a lot easier. I don't have to put up with different personalities and, 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 and different arguments. It's, it's just nicer. Let me just have my own relationship with God. But God says, that's not what I designed you for. Here's the mission. I need you to show Jesus to the world by the way that you interact with one another and love one another. So if I'm to accomplish this mission that God's given me, I need others with me. I got to have them with me. And if you think about it, this is how he designed human beings. We weren't meant to live in isolation. Count it all as long. 
everything I want out dear I count it all as loss Lead me to the cross Where your love poured out Bring me to my knees Lord, I lay me down Rid me of myself in an area of your life. The word salvation, the word saved in the the Greek is saved, healed, and delivered. God wants you set free today. I'm going to ask you just to stand as we partake. If you need a healing in your body this morning, we're just going to stand and believe. You can stand in for someone else if you need to also. Heavenly Father, right now we just thank you. Lord, we understand that your body was was beaten and broken, not just for our salvation, but God, it was for our healing and our deliverance. Lord, we thank you as we partake your body this morning. We thank you for your body that was broken, that was beaten for us today. Lord, we just bless you and we thank you in your name. You may partake. Lord, your, the stripes that you bore on your back today, Lord, they... They are still relevant today. They, 2,000 years ago, you, you took those stripes on your back, but Lord, they were for our salvation. Lord, they were for our healing and our deliverance today. Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus, Lord, that the blood that was shed on Calvary today is still effective. It is still real. And Lord, as a, as a, a symbol of our unity of faith, even right now, God, we... We partake together and say, in the name of Jesus, we believe, Lord, we come before you with with your purpose, with your mission, with your power working in us, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, we just thank you this morning for this time together. We thank you for your your touch upon our life. I pray, Lord, that, that these words that have been spoken today, Lord, that they would sink in. They would go past our head, Lord. They would get into our heart, Lord, because it's that, that's the place that you're dealing with even now. God, I ask this morning that those who have stood, God, those who have stood for deliverance from whatever it may be, in the name of Jesus, I ask, God, that you would set them free, set captives free in the name of Jesus this morning. Heal bodies. Restore us, Lord, in your name. Amen.